Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Not only don't they have a quarterback, but they also can't protect the quarterback. They also can't scheme for a quarterback. And when you have all of these things and you thought you were going to have an elite defense that can only be elite if it has their guys, then there's no hope. And so what you have to figure out is they've always been able to say Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. I don't know if that changes this year, but if it does, now you have to look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and say, are they better than the Cincinnati Bengals? Mm. Not the Ravens. Not the Browns. Well, there's former Steeler Ryan Clark, Kurt. And um, I think Ryan Clark is one of the best in the business. That's him on ESPN's The Get Up Show. Um, I just think he tells it like it is. And I love hearing Clark's commentary on everything NFL, never mind just Steelers. But um, obviously, you got to take his words to heart when he's talking about the Steelers. I mean, using the words total organizational failure, um, talking yeah. about an end of an era, calling out the Steelers for not having a succession plan at quarterback for Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, Clark really goes into the team here. What was your what's your leadoff reaction to what Clark had to say? Well, I, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, he, he's never been one that's been shy about being critical of the franchise. You know, a lot of yep. a lot of former players that, that find their way onto television after have a tendency to, to let their bias show quite a little bit, but Clark's never been like that. Um, while I agree with him that the Steelers have failed, I mean, the Steelers have failed to have a succession plan for Ben Roethlisberger going all the way back to when they held on to Landry Jones longer than they should have. I mean, this is, this is not new um, for the Steelers to, to not really have a plan in their plan. Um, the problem is with the art was saying that now is, is it probably really wouldn't matter. Um, you know, had, had the Steelers drafted a quarterback this year, are you really thinking about benching Ben for a rookie? I mean, is that what, what does that gain your team at this point? Yeah. So while I don't disagree with him that Pittsburgh probably should have addressed quarterback this offseason, probably should have really addressed it pre, the previous offseason when they had a, a better opportunity to do it. I don't I don't know what it what it serves to talk about that. Now we can talk about whether Ben's Ben can still play or, you know, how much of this falls on him and how much this falls on the offensive line. But I, I don't see them in any better position, regardless of how they would have handled that. Now, looking ahead to next year, you know, you're, you're probably looking at, at a, a bigger problem if he doesn't come back. I mean, you could see maybe an extra year before they're competitive or whatever the case may be. But I don't disagree with what Clark said. And I, and I do think that the, the Steelers front office has had their head buried in the sand for the last few years about Big Ben's eventual retirement. Um, I think they just wanted to ride this out and not think about the future. And I think part of this, too, was to spare Ben's ego a little bit. Um, when they drafted Mason Rudolph, you know, but Ben didn't hold back of the fact that he wasn't here to mentor anybody. Yep. He's not going anywhere. Sure. And so, you know, some of them not not being more um, active about adding a quarterback prior to this year, uh, but could have been by design, you know, to sort of stroke Roethlisberger's ego a little bit and say, hey, you're still our guy. Don't you worry about that. Well, you know, because you look back historically, the Steelers have, have largely ignored the backup quarterback position while Ben's been there. You know, Charlie Batch and Byron Leftwich and guys like that. I mean, there was never any long-term 
types of players. I mean, some guys played well, don't get me wrong, but it was never a situation where um, you felt like the Steelers front office had any sense, has has had any sense of urgency to replace him. And I think that right now, while Ryan Clark might be right, that they're kind of up the, up a Creek. If Ben gets hurt, I don't know that they would be suddenly a playoff contender if they had a second round quarterback on the roster instead. Yeah, no, I mean, a part of the problem is the offensive line, right? So whatever yeah, if you put yeah. any inexperienced quarterback back there, it's going to be a problem. But one thing that Clark brings up as well is the Minka Fitzpatrick trade, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, this is an interesting player because last year, as you wrote on Steelers Wire, like the fans would have told you he's the best safety in football. And but yeah. but but he's he has not had a good start to this season. At least he's not being graded by pro football focus as um, he's dead last, according to them. Right. And they're dead in their last. Rating. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's an interesting storyline. Not, not to say that Minka Fitzpatrick sucks or anything like that, but you still got to look back and say, OK, did we win the trade or not? Because I think we've we've kind right. of felt like we've won the trade, but they did part with a first round pick for him. And you could play yeah. that game and it's conjecture and it definitely is. And right. And you could do that. Say, oh, well, maybe if you don't have Minka, you lose a few more games and you would have had a better draft pick and you would have tanked. And maybe you end up with uh, one name I saw was like a Tristan Wirfs. Right. You have a guy that can play mm-hmm. different spots on the O-line and can become a leader of an O-line um, that continues to struggle. So that's an interesting little talking point that I don't know. And, you know, other people have said maybe you take far enough that you end up with Justin Herbert or, or Tua. You know, so that or you get a quarterback. So I think Clark brings up an interesting debate. I don't know if I agree with it, but he brings up an interesting debate. What do you think about that? You know, I think the biggest thing that's hurt Fitzpatrick is the fact that when he first came to Pittsburgh and no one really knew what he was capable of because he had been on the Miami Dolphins and his first six or eight games, he was with Pittsburgh. I think he had four interceptions and was just all over the field and making plays. And then you really saw it kind of ebb off a little bit. And I think if there's anything that hurts him in this scheme, I don't think it's any lack of talent on his part, but I think the way he's used in the Steelers' defense allows teams to sort of neutralize him very easily. Um, Playing away from him and at other players is much simpler, I think, than people thought it was going to be. You know, and I, I hate to keep, I hate to make this comparison because it's really not fair, but Teams actively every week tried to scheme away from Troy Polamalu, and they never could. It, it didn't matter what the what the scheme was or what the 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 you know the game plan was for that week. Troy found a way to make plays week after week after week. And I think that in the case of Minka Fitzpatrick, I think given the opportunity, he's probably as good a coverage safety as are in the is in the NFL. But he's just not being be allowed to be in a position to make those plays. And I think some of it's by design. I think some of it's the defense. And I think some of it is offenses have figured out where we can attack the Steelers defense, where we don't even care where Fitzpatrick is on the field. You know, when, when we've got guys, you know, Terrell Edmonds who can't cover, we're rotating in our slot cornerbacks and our strong safeties or different players, every other play, um, our inside linebackers can't cover anybody there's plenty of places they can go with the football. And a lot of times you see Fitzpatrick's just kind of out there covering that middle and, and doesn't see any balls come his way. And so I don't know that they lost the trade. I think he's a really great player, but I think they have to figure out how to get him more involved in the defense. I think that, and that's tough in a secondary, you know, that that's tough with a defensive back. Um, they kind of have to take what comes to them. You know, it's not like a pass rusher that you can move them around and send them different ways and, you know, with, with Fitzpatrick, he's kind of stuck. 
if if the defense is saying you're going to be deep middle, then you're deep middle. And if the offense starts attacking other spots on the on the field, uh, there's anything you can do about it. So um, I, I, it's, a, it's been a tough year. You know, guys like him and Devin Bush just aren't really playing up to expectations right now. And and that is made that is magnified when a player like TJ Watts not on the field and a guy like Stephon Tuitt's not on the field. You know, th- those guys that are supposed to be the playmakers, um, it, it, when, when your top guy's gone, who steps up next? Well, last week, nobody stepped up. Yep. You know, uh, there were several players had an opportunity. Nobody did. And so when, when, you know, if this defense can only be good when TJ Watts on the field, then we could have a problem that's going to extend well beyond last week. Yeah, I know. And I think we're seeing that when the defense doesn't dominate, the team has a hard time winning, right? And that's like, yeah, that's pretty, yeah. that's pretty clear. And I want to talk a little bit more about the offensive struggles and the quarterback. And we'll do it coming up next. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. Welcome to week number four of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of the huddle.com here to bring you strong plays. After a forgettable week three, Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback of the New England Patriots, takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While normally I would avoid a rookie quarterback against this pass rush, the pass rush just hasn't been there yet for the Bucs. Only Washington has given up more points to quarterbacks, and that's mainly due to allowing a pair of rushing touchdowns. No team has given up more yardage than Tampa. There's a good chance that Tom Brady's offense will force the Patriots to throw more than they'd like. Running back Jonathan Taylor at the Miami Dolphins. Traditionally, I avoid players who are considered to be locks for lineups each week, but Taylor's been off to a sluggish start. In the event you're one of those antsy gamers who's looking to possibly bench him, a trip to the Miami Dolphins defense should do wonders. This unit has given up over 120 rushing yards, over 52 receiving yards, and a touchdown every 20.4 touches. This is a top 10 matchup across the board for fantasy football purposes. Lock in Taylor and expect a strong game despite the offensive line issues at the moment. Wide receiver Christian Kirk Arizona Cardinals at Los Angeles Rams. Playing more than 60% of his snaps from the slot, Kirk is averaging a career-high in fantasy points per game and a career-high in receiving average. DeAndre Hopkins still may not be 100% by kickoff after suffering a rib injury in Week 2, and he and A.J. Green will have to contend with two of the strongest cornerbacks in the NFL. Expect the strong defense by the Rams on the outside to divert Kyler Murray to throwing inside to Christian Kirk. Rookie tight end Pat Fryer moves to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. He is clearly the go-to tight end with Eric Ebron falling way behind on the target count. And Fryermuth has been more productive. This is a matchup that has game script for pass-heavy offense written all over it. Only one team has given up more receptions to tight ends than the Packers. This is the ninth best matchup to face for yardage. And this is the fourth best team to face for scoring efficiency. Target hog wide receiver Deontay Johnson is expected to return. There's no guarantee that he'll be 100%. While we may be one month into the season already, it's not too late. Go over to thehuddle.com to check out our award-winning fantasy football news, information, and advice. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's USA say today bet.com slash podcast see typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado
All right, Kurt, another big storyline around the Steelers right now is the quarterback, Big Ben, and whether he made the right decision coming back to give it another go, whether the Steelers made the right decision to bring him back. Hard to fault the team with the with the contract and what they were able to do there, but Ben's had a tough three weeks. He's clearly not healthy, but you know, a lot of people are saying that Big Ben is cooked. And he kind of yeah. looks like he's cooked right now. I mean, what do you think about that? I, I think it's tough. I think I think it's a. I'm, I'm not. I've always been kind of a, a bit of an apologist for Ben, and so I guess I'll do that again. <laughs> but um, I think he's a. I don't. I don't think when he took that pay cut to return, he anticipated his offensive line being as bad as it is. Um, I know he's made some bad throws, but. Um, you know, he's hit, been hit 12 or 14 times in three games. I'm not sure he got hit that many times last year at all. Um, you know, and, and the hits he's taken, I, I don't think he's done by any means. I, I think he can still play. But I think it, what's happened through three games so far really illustrates when you roll the dice on a lot of unknowns on your offensive line, it, it can really blow up in your face. And I think that right now – the Steelers' lack of a, of a, you know, you want to talk about succession plan, the lack of succession plan to replace David Castro and Matt Filer and Alejandro Villanueva and Marquise Pouncey is probably the succession plan that, that they should have focused more of their energy on than the quarterback. Yep. I think if you give Ben some protection, I, I don't think his skill players have played well. I wrote about this. I've never seen a, a passing offense that feels more labored to get to get separation and to get open. Um, I watch other teams play, and it's remarkable to me when passes are completed and the receiver is a yard or two off from the defensive back. The Steelers never get that. I mean, they are literally blanketed on every play. And I'm not an offensive coach. I have no idea what the if it's a if it's a route thing that the you know. What, what the problem is, but you rarely see a Steelers receiver making a catch that isn't heavily contested. And I, I don't know how to fix that. I mean, I know they don't have, you know, Deontay Johnson's pretty speedy guy. He's probably the one guy, but you know, when you've got these big physical guys like Juju and Chase Claypool that are kind of post up kind of receivers, well, that that's a lower percentage throw every time you throw it. You know, when you're, when you're throwing to a guy that has a defensive back right on his back on every play, a lot of times they're catching the ball flat-footed. You don't see the Steelers run a lot of rhythmic kind of routes where guys are catching the ball in stride, things like that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of routes, those option routes where they're, they're stuck in place and Ben throws to a spot. And, you know, the quarterback ca- or the receiver catches the ball and he's flat-footed. He's not got any momentum. Um, that limits your yards after catch. You know, there's a lot of things schematically that as I've gone back and rewatched them and rewatched other games that just really look different to me compared to some of the other other NFL offenses. And I, I know some of that's, you know, they they have to play within Ben's limits. But at this point, I think he's healthier than he was last year. He looks like he's throwing the ball better, but he's, he's just taking a beating. I mean, he's he's getting hit. They still can't run the football. You know, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. I'm not going to put it all. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I, I don't think anybody should should point any fingers in that locker room because there's I don't know how many guys on offense. I probably could name three guys that are going out there doing their job on every play. So, yeah. you know, it's it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, he sure missed Deontay. I, I think there's no there's no question because he's really become his security blanket. You know, we talk yeah, about yeah. Fryermuth becoming that guy, but it's really Deontay Johnson right now. Uh, um, you, you, you throw it 14 times to your running back. You know, 
know you missed, you're missing <laughs> yes, somebody. Yes. Najee Harris, <laughs> yeah, 14 <laughs> catches. What was it like? 18 targets or something? No, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah something like that. 19. 19. He, dro- he had he had four or five drops in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you got to throw it to He's him because tired. because you're dead last in rushing yards per game, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Is. yeah. And uh, fifth to last in points scored, and the offense is eighth worst in yards per game. So it's just really a struggle right now, as you're saying, Kurt. And you know, you kind of floated this question last last week and I'll float it to you again. I mean, how long do you think Tomlin goes before he considers a change? Like maybe he throws Mason Rudolph out there, or do you think this is big Ben season and even, and it's not all his fault. And even if the offense is kind of laboring, uh, they stick with big Ben. What do you think? How long until Mike Tomlin considers a change? I don't think he'll do anything before the bye week. I think with the bye week coming up, I think that that's when they'll sort of evaluate you know, I, I, I think that I think that'll give them an extra week to evaluate multiple positions. You know, by then Zach Banner should be back and they can decide what they want to do along the offensive line. Um, you know, hopefully hopefully some of these guys are healthy. Hopefully Deontay Johnson's back. Um, you know, a lot of these guys that, that I know a lot of the guys don't have serious injuries, but I think Johnson's one in particular that really feels like he could be out for a while. And, you know, Banner came back to practice today. Um, yeah, I, I look for the bye week to be pretty pivotal, especially if they're they're you know a couple of games under 500 that they they do start looking at something different. And at that point, it becomes a whole different conversation. If you if you promote Mason Rudolph, how do you do that? Does Ben then become the backup, or do you do you make Ben the emergency quarterback and go and get Haskins on the active roster so you can you can see what he has too? And I'm just not sure Steelers fans are going to be on on board with the idea of basically turning the back half of the season into a, you know, into a audition for, for two young quarterbacks. I, I think they might mutiny if there's a, if they, if they do that. So I'm certainly not used I to that around here. Oh my gosh. It's been a long time, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's crazy to, to talk to younger fans who really only know the Ben Roethlisberger era. I mean, they don't, they don't remember the Mike Tom's act, you know, Tommy Maddox, Cordell Stewart era that came before him, the Bubby Brister, you know, all those guys. And so they've, they've been very spoiled. But I, I grew up with the Terry Bradshaw era and then had to live through that gap in between. And so I'm just afraid we're, we're going to get back to that at some point because there just aren't enough good quarterbacks to go around. You know, they're just, it's really hard to find a good NFL quarterback. And so that I don't, I don't expect them to make a move before – the bye week and honestly if i were bet a betting man i don't think they bench him short of injury no matter what the record is you know i just tomlin's kind of stubborn like that so yeah well i'm glad you're a betting man though kurt because uh, yeah. on the typico app the steelers are six and a half point underdogs as they head to lambeau field hey that's the same spread as they were in week one against buffalo so maybe yeah. that's a, maybe yeah. that's a good sign but we'll get into that matchup a little bit more we'll talk about the spread and make a pick uh coming up next this is the typical sports book minute let's make this interesting Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of BetSlippin' Podcast and SportsbookWire.com here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the marquee Sunday night football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots. The Buccaneers are six and a half point road favorites at minus 122 odds in the battle of Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. Buccaneers are my pick to win by seven or more. This line seems soft. I don't care about Brady Belichick. This is a Super Bowl caliber Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. 
hasn't looked apart so far. Better days are ahead, and those are going to come against rookie Mac Jones and the Patriots. Jeff. I'm with you. I got the Buccaneers. I'll lay more than a touchdown or whatever it gets to. Brady has got all the motivation and all the help around him that Belichick doesn't. And Mac Jones is graded out or, excuse me, is discussed as if he were better than the rookie quarterbacks, whereas I think he's as bad as the rookie quarterbacks. And we should see a get-right game for the Tampa Bay defense that struggled through the first three weeks. I'll lay whatever with the Bucs. Let's just call it a touchdown. That was your typical sports book. Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Kurt, as we said, Steelers six and a half point underdogs as they head to Lambeau Field to face the Packers. And well, the Packers seem gettable in week one when they got their doors blown off by the Saints over in Jacksonville, yeah. that neutral site game. But they seem like they found their mojo a little bit, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And that comeback win over the San Francisco 49ers. Rodgers was kind of deadly in that game, targeting Devontae Adams with those back shoulder throws and those goal line throws. They look like they were kind of back, like vintage Devontae Adams, uh, Aaron Rodgers. And it, it just feels like the Steelers are, are in a tough way heading into Lambeau Field. Yeah. In week one, the same six-and-a-half-point spread, I actually took the Steelers. Uh, I took the points. But in this matchup, I feel like if the spread's under seven, I feel pretty confident backing the Packers. I, I think the Packers yeah. are, are in a position to win this game by double digits. I, absolutely. If I, if I, I would definitely um, give the six-and-a-half right now because we still don't know what the state of the defense is going to be. And I think if they're not at full strength, um, then Ben's not going to be able to keep up with that offense. I mean, the, the Steelers offense can't run with that Packers offense. You know, they, if nothing else, I mean, they're running game, you know, their offensive line is physical and that Aaron Jones can play. He's and good. then they take, take, then they take him out and bring that AJ Dillon in that just hammers on people, you know, big kid and, you know, wears people down and they've got, you know, they got a couple other receivers that kind of, they're kind of nice complimentary guys to Devonte Adams. They throw their tight end a little bit. And I mean, let's just face facts. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I mean, he's, he's, he's amazing. I mean, it, Ben Roethlisberger had nothing but, but praise for him. You know, um, Joe Hayden said he's the best quarterback in the NFL, you know, and that's, he said, no disrespect to Ben, but he goes, I've got Rodgers ahead of everybody. So, and you go into a game where you've got, You've got fanboys on the opposing defense. That's that's kind of a scary proposition. <laughs> that's a good so. point. It is. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to be in awe out there. And then Rogers yeah, is special, you but want, you don't want to be in awe. Oh my gosh! Yeah, when I heard Joe Joe Hayden's like Aaron Rodgers is the best. He's the best. Court. He oh, goes, Joe. I'll take him above Mahomes. I'll take him above Tom Brady. Everybody. And I was like, Oh, great! That's, that's awesome, man. Keep that to yourself, Joe. You don't have to say that in the media. Yeah, you don't have to say. You think it. You don't have to say it. But yeah, I I don't I don't expect. Maybe if Watt and Highsmith are are full, you know, if they're 100% for the game, the defense will be able to keep it closer. But I still don't think they can keep it inside of a, a touchdown. I, I still don't see that. 
Because um, I just don't think Pittsburgh can score any points. I, I, don't, I just don't know where their points are going to come from. I mean, they're going to have to they're going to have to hit on some special team stuff, or you know, Claypool's going to have to beat a guy deep and and make some long plays. Get, you know, get get lucky on some pass interference calls or whatever. Because I'm just not sure how they sustain drives. They their offensive line. You know, Najee Harris is getting getting hit in the backfield on more than seventy percent of his runs, highest in the is that, league. Is that right? My gosh! Yeah. yeah, he's like he's like hit in the backfield on se- I think seventy point six percent of his carries. Um, and you see him getting hit, and he's fighting and fighting, and his offensive linemen are all just standing up looking around at each other. <laughs> and it's like it's like if you're not even going to put up a fight, you know, maybe maybe we find somebody who can, you know, or whatever, you know, but. At this point, those guys are, are just not doing their part. And the penalties last week, you know, that became a problem that we hadn't seen the first two games. Yeah, I, I would definitely um, give six and a half and, and take Green Bay for sure. Yeah, 100%. And I think I know where you're going with this next question. But the total is at 45 and a half. And I just, I've, I'm under. I, I just don't think that this sets up as a high scoring affair at all, Kurt. I mean, both no. of these offenses I mean, are in the bottom 10 of the league through three weeks. And yeah. I think that might have to do with Green Bay doing zero in the week one. They've been a little bit better right. the last two weeks. But, you know, I've got the Packers winning this thing like 27 17, 24 14, something like yeah. that. Yeah. I, that's that's the kind of game yeah. I'm expecting. But what do you think about the total? 45 and a half. I, yeah. I mean, you, you look at even, I mean, if you remove that that game that uh, that they played the first week. They scored 35 against Detroit, and they scored 30 last week. Yep. So, I mean, they're still not, not you know, burning it up. But, I yeah, I, I would definitely still stick with the under because I do think Pittsburgh's going to gonna put up a, a little bit of a fight on defense. But, yeah, I, I'm, like I said last week, I'm taking the under until Pittsburgh gives me some reason to think otherwise. All right. Well, we will be back next week uh, unless we're not. And if we're not back next week, it's probably because my wife just had a baby. <laughs> so we're uh, my that's wife a, and I that's are a good. Reason. It's a good reason. Yeah. My wife and I, it literally could be any day this weekend, next week. Uh, so, Kurt, if if the baby doesn't decide he wants to come yet, we'll be back next week to break down this game against the Packers. If not, I think we'll just tell the people we'll be back as soon as possible. Does that sound good to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If, it, if he if he decides to show up, you enjoy that bye week. I you'll deserve it. it. I so. appreciate that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we'll be back as soon as possible. We'll talk to you all next time. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.